Hello and welcome back to the Fantasy Playmakers. What's up guys? In today's video, I'm going to be going through my top 24 running back rankings. I put out my RB rankings about three to four weeks ago, so I think this will be a good time to update them. There have definitely been some shifts, some notable moves this offseason. Probably the most important one was Aaron Rodgers, you know, confirming he's coming back to the Packers. But there's also been some injuries, some training camp updates. So all that is going to factor in to the changes in these rankings. And I don't know about you guys, but I'm getting super excited for the start of the NFL season. Obviously, I've been waiting for the season to start all offseason. But now that we're really starting to see these preseason games, seeing some of those top tier fantasy players getting on the field, even if it's only for a couple of drives, it's still great to see. And I'm super excited for week one. But if you guys are watching this video and you like what you guys are hearing, seeing, you enjoy the content, please just leave a like and subscribe to the channel. That really helps support me, especially gearing into the season. We've been growing a ton and I really appreciate all the support. Then also let me know your thoughts down below in the comment section. Do you agree with my rankings? Let me know what players you think I'm too high or too low on. Give me your reasoning and I'll respond to everyone who comments down below. But let's get right into it. Starting off with number one, this is pretty consensus across almost every set of rankings I have seen. It's got to be Christian McCaffrey. I don't really think you can make a super strong argument for anyone other than C-Mac. The man just has such a high ceiling, gets it done on the ground and in the air. A player that can go out and put up a thousand rushing yards and 1,000 receiving yards. He has a total monopoly over that Carolina Panthers offense. And if he's able to put together a full season, I have no doubt in my mind that he is going to repeat as the RB1, just like he did in 2019. Up next at number two, I have Dalvin Cook. And this has also been locked in basically throughout the entire offseason. He is just behind Christian McCaffrey, another guy who's going to have a total monopoly over that backfield. Also has some solid involvement in the receiving game. Not as high as Christian McCaffrey, but is still very involved and capable in the receiving department. He's going to get a ton of work, a ton of red zone upside. And the Minnesota Vikings just run their entire offense through him. So if I was up with the number two pick, it would be a no-brainer for me. I'm going Delvin Cook. Now at number three, I have Alvin Kamara. As you can see at three and four, I have Kamara and Henry, and they've just been flipping back and forth throughout this entire offseason. And I really couldn't fault you if you went either way. I actually just recently posted a video comparing Kamara and Henry. So if you haven't seen that, go check it out. At the end of that video, I talked about how Kamara is probably the higher upside play just because he does have that huge role in the receiving game. But Derrick Henry is probably more consistent just because the man does not miss games. He's basically locked in for like 100 rushing yards a game. He has insane touchdown upside. So both of those guys, Kamara at three, Henry at four, you really can't go wrong. And I expect both of them to repeat as high-end RB1s this season. I think this may be one of the larger differences between overall consensus ADP and where I have a running back. But I think Aaron Jones here at number five is 100% warranted. He has finished as a high-end RB1 the past two seasons. You have Aaron Rodgers coming back, so there's no concerns there. He is just so efficient when Aaron Rodgers is in this lineup. The offense has so much touchdown upside. Aaron Jones gets it done everywhere. He gets it done in the red zone. He gets it done on the ground, in the receiving game. The man really can do it all. And I'm just not concerned with A.J. Dillon. I've talked about this a ton, but it's like people forget that Jamal Williams was a super involved backup running back the last two seasons. 
but the difference is that he was also involved in the receiving game. A.J. Dillon is nowhere near the receiver that Jamal Williams was, so he may get you know a few more carries than Williams did on a per-game basis, but I think that only increases Aaron Jones' role in the receiving game, and so he may be scoring his points in a slightly different way, but I still think he's going to be getting it done and is one of my favorite values at the running back position. Coming in at number six, I have Ezekiel Elliott, and early in the offseason, I was much higher on him than consensus. This was when Zeke was still going as a back-end running back one, but it seems like as time has gone on, people have been moving Zeke up their boards, and so this is pretty much consensus for him. He may actually be going as the RB5, even though he had a bad season last year. Really, everything that could have gone wrong went wrong. You would Dak go down with injury. Zeke was dealing with injuries. This offensive line fell apart. And I know going into 2021, this offensive line is not what it was, you know, in Zeke's first few years of the season. But I still think Zeke can get it done. And I am expecting a big bounce back year from him. Aside from 2020, every other season that Zeke has been in the NFL, he has been putting up mid to high end RB1 numbers. And I really think he returns to that production this year. Moving on to number seven, I'm going to kind of talk about all three of these players together. At seven, I have Eckler. At number eight, I have Jonathan Taylor. And at number nine, I have Nick Chubb. I had a really tough time differentiating between these players when I was making these rankings. And I think you can just look at them three different ways. And it really just depends on what kind of player you want to draft. I think of these three guys, Austin Eckler has the highest ceiling because he has the ability to get the workhorse carries on this Chargers team. It's not a guarantee, but if he can get those workhorse carries and has a solid role in the red zone, you already know that he is one of the best receiving backs in the NFL, and he truly does have high-end RB1 potential. So if you want to draft for that upside, Austin Eckler can definitely be your guy. At number eight with Jonathan Taylor, I think he's kind of in between the upside and the safe play. Right now, I actually think he's kind of a value in drafts. His ADP has totally fallen off in underdog, and it kind of came out of nowhere. Obviously, we know it's because Wentz and Quinton Nelson are both dealing with that same kind of foot injury, but the reports coming out have been fairly optimistic and saying that they're looking good to play in week one. And even if they do miss a few weeks, I don't think that should drop Jonathan Taylor off from you know a mid-tier RB1 to a lower end RB2. I think you're going to have this offense at full strength by week like two or three, probably at the latest. And in that offense, we know that Jonathan Taylor is going to be getting those workhorse carries. He doesn't have a great role in the receiving game, which is why his upside is not as high as Austin Eckler. But I think the reason why his upside is a little bit higher than Nick Chubb is because he's probably going to get you know, maybe 80 to 90% of the carries compared to Nick Chubb, who is splitting with Kareem Hunt. And so he's kind of the middle option, you know, still has some upside, but it's just a little less safe than Nick Chubb. And then at number nine, we have Nick Chubb, who I think is the safest, obviously barring injury, which I believe he's only missed four games his entire NFL career. Nick Chubb basically seems like a lock to just put together a low-end RB1 season. He obviously doesn't have that upside of his role in the receiving game. But in this Browns rushing attack, 
It is so efficient. He's probably going to average over five yards a carry. He doesn't even need, you know, to be in that 20 carry range to be a workhorse fantasy running back, which is very impressive. He's going to have a ton of touchdown upside once again. And so that's why I have Nick Chubb coming in at number nine. Now at number 10, I have possibly one of the most controversial running backs for the 2021 season. It is Saquon Barkley. If you guys are playing in more friendly leagues, you know, not a lot of high stakes, you're not putting a lot of money down. I'm going to guess that Saquon Barkley is probably going to be a top five pick. I did a draft yesterday using uh, ESPN, and he's like their third ranked overall player. So, you know, if people aren't super in tuned with ADP right now, Saquon's probably going to be going super high in the first round. But I think a lot of people kind of have faded off of this. There's just a lot of risk with him. The injury concerns with Saquon Barkley have been well documented. It definitely seems like he's not going to be 100% ready by week one. You know, we don't know how many weeks into the season this is going to linger. Is he going to be limited? You know, he may play week two, week three, but is he going to be on a touch limit? It's just all up in the air. And then the other major concern is that offensive line probably a bottom five unit in the NFL. There's really no guarantee that this offense as a whole isn't just going to be totally brutal. They were second to last in points per game last season. Obviously, a chunk of that is Saquon, you know, not being on the team in the lineup, but still just too many concerns. The ceiling is obviously there, but that's why he comes in as a lower end RB1 for me. At number 11, I actually have another pretty polarizing player, and that is Joe Mixon. And I'm going to be honest, I totally understand if you're not a Joe Mixon supporter. I acknowledge that he has busted in years past. If you've drafted him early, he has probably not lived up to the hype. And so if you're fading him for that reason, I totally understand. But this is why I'm willing to buy in to Joe Mixon this season. And I have been burned by him in the past. So just going to put that out there. But going into this season, Joe Mixon has the opportunity to have a massive workload. If you look at the touches he was getting last season, it was crazy. He was almost averaging 20 carries a game. He was very involved in the receiving game. And everything has improved for him this offseason, right? He was very inefficient on those touches last year, but I expect some improvement there this season. And these are the reasons why. You have Joe Burrow coming back. It seems like he's going to be healthy for week one, and the entire offense has improved. They've made upgrades in the offensive line. You know, maybe not as big of moves as you would have liked. Obviously, it would have been great if they drafted Penny Sewell instead of Jamar Chase, but Jamar Chase is still going to help him out. This receiving room is absolutely stacked, so they're definitely going to have to pay a lot of attention to these wide receivers. That should open some things up for Joe Mixon. Like I mentioned, the offensive line has improved a little bit. And then you also have Giovanni Bernard, who is no longer in the picture, signed with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So Joe Mixon, just a total monopoly on this backfield and has just such a high ceiling this year, which is why he's coming in at number 11. Up next, rounding out the top 12 of this list, it is Antonio Gibson. He put together a super solid rookie season last year, and I only expect him to improve on it. He's going into this offseason as the established workhorse of the Washington football team offense. Obviously, we know what he can do on the ground. He's also a great red zone running back. The issue here, which is why he isn't just a little bit higher, is he doesn't have that receiving role locked up. You still have J.D. McKissick there. Even though he does have the talent to be a top receiving back, we saw it in college, we just don't know that he's going to get the opportunity. But even if he doesn't have that receiving work, he still has RB1 upside. This is going to be an improved Washington football team offense. 
So I'm excited to see what Antonio Gibson can do this year. Starting off the RB2 group, I have Clyde Edwards-Alaire here at number 13. Definitely busted in 2020. Was a super high pick, a first round guy, just to not live up to the hype. Everyone knows the story. Everyone knows he was a big disappointment, but that doesn't mean he cannot bounce back in 2021. And that is what I'm expecting for him. A lot of stuff has gone his way this offseason. It really seems like he has lined up to be the workhorse. You don't have Le'Veon Bell there. Before Le'Veon Bell was signed, CEH may not have been living up to his ADP, but he was definitely still putting together some really solid games. And that was honestly when the Chiefs running attack was most effective. I think they recognize that and he will have the opportunity to have a big role this season. He's going to be on that high scoring offense, should have way more touchdown upside than you saw last season. And so that's why he comes in as a high end RB2 for me and is very close to breaking into that RB1 range. To continue the streak of very young running backs, I have Najee Harris coming in here at number 14. I wasn't super high on him to start off the offseason, but I've slowly been moving him up my rankings. Obviously, some of it has been due to injuries, but also I do understand you know, his potential workload this season, and it's just going to give him a really solid floor. I think when people talk about Najee Harris, a lot of people are looking at this massive ceiling he's going to have, and I actually look at it the other way around. The amount of touches I think he's lined up to get is going to give him a really solid floor because even if you are inefficient with those touches, you're still just going to be putting points up, kind of like a Joe Mixon-esque season from last year. I don't know if the ceiling is as high as it's being pushed, you know, because this Chiefs offensive line has proven it is not great. So he's definitely not going to be a Nick Chubb-esque player who's getting like 15 carries a game averaging five and a half yards per attempt. I think he's going to be much more around those 20 carries a game, maybe averaging four yards a carry, but he's an all around very solid running back and should put together a really nice rookie season. At number 15, I have the fourth second year running back on this list with DeAndre Swift. I think I'm a little bit higher on DeAndre Swift than consensus, but I am kind of buying into this workload he's going to get on the Lions. And the reason why I like him this year is because he is a great receiving back. You know, if you have a guy who's not great in the receiving game, but is going to get a lot of rushing volume on a really bad team, that's probably not a player I'm going to be super interested in. But when I'm looking at DeAndre Swift this year, I really expect him to get around, you know, maybe 12 to 15 carries a game. And those may not be touches with a lot of touchdown upside, but this offensive line is very nice for the Lions. And he does just have that great ability in the receiving game. We saw him put together RB2 numbers last year while barely touching the ball. And so if he can go out average, you know, six targets a game, I really think he has some nice upside this year, even if this Lions offense is going to be terrible. Chris Carson is up next here at RB16, and he kind of seems to just be the forgotten guy in this group of running backs. You know, his ADP has started to rise throughout the offseason. I mean, I remember a few months ago, he was going in like the low 20s, which was just absolutely absurd. But I still think he kind of gets drafted way behind this like CEH Najee Harris group. And I don't really think he should. He has a lot of upside being in the RB1 of the Seattle Seahawks offense, showed a lot of improvement in the receiving game last year. And if he can put together a full season, I know that is a big if, but with the high scoring Seattle Seahawks offense and a potential larger role in the receiving game, 
Chris Carson is basically a lock to finish as a high-end RB2 and will have RB1 potential this year. Up now at number 17, I have J.K. Dobbins, and I'm really not a fan of him this season. You know, this ranking may seem pretty close to consensus, but I think there is a major gap between Chris Carson and J.K. Dobbins and where I would actually select them in my fantasy drafts. We all know what the upside is. He has a ton of touchdown upside on this Ravens offense, and he's going to be very efficient when he does touch the ball, but there are also some glaring red flags. The first one is that this Ravens backfield is just stacked, and it's not even because there are other great running backs. You do have Gus Edwards there, who I think is very solid, but Lamar Jackson is the best running back on this team. He has made that clear. If he's healthy, he's going to go out there and rush for over 1,000 yards and a lot of touchdowns, and that's definitely going to limit Dobbins' overall upside. Also, I don't think he's going to be getting, you know, 16, 17 carries a game. He's probably going to be somewhere in that 12 to 15 range. And with the second red flag of having no receiving upside, that's where I get very concerned for J.K. Dobbins. He basically becomes a player where if he can get into the end zone, then he has a solid week. If not, he's basically a total bust. And that's not a guy I really want to be drafting as my, you know, mid-tier RB2. So I do have him at 17, but you definitely have to acknowledge the risks that come with him. A lot of these guys in the back end of my rankings, you know, this number 18 to number 24 slot, it may look similar to my last set of rankings, but there have just been some shifts in how I view these players. For example, I was kind of thinking David Montgomery and Miles Sanders were very close together, you know, in terms of where I would draft them. But I've kind of started to get on the David Montgomery train a little bit. I even considered ranking him over J.K. Dobbins. And the reason why I wasn't super high on him this year was that I saw last year, obviously he had that huge breakout. He had the monopoly on all those touches, was a real league winner. But the issue is that I didn't think he could retain that workload with Cohen coming back. You've got Damian Williams coming in. And while I still don't think he's going to maintain the same amount of opportunities per game he saw last season, he definitely impressed in that role last year. And there still is a lot of uncertainty with Tariq Cohen. He hasn't been able to practice yet. He's coming off that ACL tear. And it seems like he may not be able to practice for a few more weeks. So David Montgomery really could kind of swoop in here and just steal that receiving role. Obviously, Cohen will still get his opportunities. But David Montgomery, I think, is going to have more work than I had initially anticipated, but he is still coming in here at RB18. Now at number 19, I have Miles Sanders, and really his season could go in any direction. I really think he has the talent to be a three down back in the NFL. He is solid in the receiving game, even if he didn't really show it last season, and he can get it done on the ground. But the issue is he also has the potential this season of being kind of thrown into the committee. Obviously, he would be a leader of the committee, but still, it's not something you want to be drafting, you know, as a mid-tier RB2, especially when I have guys ranked behind him that I do think are going to be workhorses. So you have guys in that backfield like Kenny Gainwell, a great receiving option, Jordan Howard, a potential red zone guy. So the risk is there, but this is a situation that I'm going to continue to monitor. You know, what are they doing in the preseason? What are the coaches talking about? We really have to pay attention to all of that stuff. And so right now I'm holding Miles Sanders at this number 19 slot, but I really think he does have the potential to maybe move up, but I think there's a lot more room for him to move down if, you know, we're not hearing the right things out of the Eagles camp. Now at RB 20 and 21, I have Miles Gaskin and Mike Davis back to back. I think these guys are very intertwined in how I view them. The first reason is that they're both players that I think a lot of people don't trust. 
you know, to be the workhorse backs. Obviously, neither guy is an established player who has led backfields in years prior, but I think both of these guys are set up to be workhorses in their current situations. And I love both of these guys at their current ADP. With Miles Gaskin, I think he definitely has more of a receiving upside this season. We saw it with Tua and actually with Fitzpatrick last season. He was actually an RB1 in points per game. So he has some really high upside this year. The only issue is that there's just not this certainty that he has that role 100% locked down, but I still really like him. Mike Davis, he probably has more upside on the ground, but he is still a very capable receiver out of the backfield. We saw that last season when he filled in for Christian McCaffrey. So I like both of these guys ranked here at RB20 and 21. Now at RB22, I have Josh Jacobs. I know there are some huge Josh Jacobs supporters out there, and I'm sorry about this ranking, but I honestly considered putting him lower than this. And the reason is that I just don't want to buy someone out of this Raiders backfield this early in drafts. There's just so much uncertainty there. You obviously had Kenyon Drake come in, and I think he's potentially a better later round option than Josh Jacobs at his current ADP. But Josh Jacobs last season was scoring points through touchdowns and through volume. He was not efficient. He did not have a lot of work in the receiving game. And you're bringing in another capable NFL running back, a guy who led his backfield last season, a better receiver than Josh Jacobs. So I think Jacobs basically has no receiving role this year. Obviously, he's going to get some targets, but it was already low, and I think it's going to be even lower. And then you can't tell me that Kenyon Drake is not going to cut in to Josh Jacobs' touches this year. I'm just not going to buy it. So less touches, less volume. That's also probably going to mean less touchdowns for Josh Jacobs. And also what happened to this Raiders offensive line this offseason? It just went totally into the toilet. So I will totally be avoiding Josh Jacobs. And I don't think I'm going to have any shares of him this year. Now at number 23, I have Daryl Henderson. And he was the guy that I actually considered moving ahead of Josh Jacobs. And I was very close to doing it but I just did not pull the trigger. I'm feeling more optimistic about Henderson than I was the last time I made this video. And the reason is because when I posted my rankings like three weeks ago, it was basically the same day that Cam Akers went down. And I really did expect the Rams to go out and bring in a veteran to kind of you know make a timeshare out of that backfield with, but they haven't done it yet. And it doesn't seem like any of Henderson's backups have really secured that RB2 role so they may really be willing to go into the season with Daryl Henderson as their workhorse. And obviously that's going to provide a ton of upside for him. I don't think he's totally in the clear in terms of them bringing in someone to kind of split carries with, but right now he is looking pretty solid. And if he can hold on to this role, he's going to be a value here at RB23. All right, the last player in these rankings coming in at RB24, it is Kareem Hunt. The only player on this list who is not leading his backfield, but I just think he gives you a really solid floor because he does have his own role in this Cleveland Browns offense. They're a very efficient rushing attack, and we did see Kareem Hunt have some big games last year, even when Nick Chubb was on the field. It was a little bit disappointing how he didn't really play to that high-end level when Nick Chubb did go down, but I think he's a guy you could definitely be looking at as an RB3, a solid weekly flex play. All right, before I wrap up this video, I do kind of just want to talk about the two players I had after Kareem Hunt. So Travis Etienne at RB25 and Chase Edmonds at RB26. I think these are two players that some people may have expected to be on this list, and I'm just kind of going to go through why they're not. 
for Travis Etienne. I actually talked about him a day or two ago in a video talking about the biggest busts in each round. Go check that out if you have not already. But basically, to sum up what I talked about there, I just don't think he's going to be the workhorse of this backfield. He's going to have the receiving role, but I think he's going to lose out on a decent amount of carries and the red zone work. And that's just not the type of player I want to target in round number five. And with Chase Edmonds, it's honestly a pretty similar thing. He's going to have that receiving role locked up, but does James Conner eat into those overall carries and into the red zone work? It just remains to be seen. And so that's why I don't feel confident putting these guys in my top 24 running backs. Thank you guys for watching and listening. If you enjoyed the content, like I mentioned at the beginning, please just leave a like and subscribe to the channel. It would really mean a lot to me. You guys don't know how much that helps support this channel. And also let me know your thoughts down below. Who do you think I'm too high on, too low on? Let me know your thoughts overall. I want to hear what you guys have to say, and I'll be responding to everyone who comments. So thank you guys for tuning in. Make sure you guys watch out tomorrow. I'm going to be posting my wide receiver rankings. So look out for those. But that's all I have for you guys today. Thank you, and I'll see you guys tomorrow.